All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. Welcome to another episode of Dropping the Gloves. Thank you for joining us here on a balmy Wednesday afternoon, Tim. I'm getting excited. I'm leaving on my vacation on Saturday. We, You and I haven't even discussed, really, <laughs> I know the optics of it, what we're going to do scheduling-wise, because I'm going across the pond, baby. I'm going over to Portugal, and I'm going to finish up in Italy. It's going to be epic. We're not taking any kids with it, except for the baby. Baby goes with mom. But we're leaving all six with my parents and my wife's parents. My parents are coming in from Canada. Oh, it's going to be great. Ten days. Hasta mañana. That's what I'm saying. I'll see ya. Kids don't even care. Kids are excited. I'm excited. Everybody's excited. So what what cities are you going to? We're going to Fatima in Portugal. Uh, that was a, There was a big Marian apparition there. My wife is really uh, in on that. So we're going to go see that. Um, and then we're going to Rome. And we're just going to stay in Rome. We got a nice B&B we're staying at and just kind of tour around the city, you know, check out the Vatican, check out all the, the Pantheon, the Trivoli fountains, the, all these Colosseum things. It, Rome surprisingly has a lot of history. You wouldn't think it, but yeah, you're right. No. So I, I did a little research. I was like, dang, some people have lived here. No, I'm kidding. Of course. But it's going to be really, really fun. We're we're looking forward to it. So I'm just buttoning up all the loose ends, getting you know the snacks ready, the bed situation ready, all the school stuff ready for my parents. Because my parents have no idea. <laughs> you know what I mean? They're, yeah. they're out of the, the child rearing stage in their life. They're thinking they're just going to come and yeah, enjoy the kids. Well, you have no idea what you're in for. They're watching my kids for three days, and I think my wife's parents are getting them for seven. So, good luck. They're going to get a taste of what it's like, and it's not pretty unless you're prepared. So, I'm excited, but we'll figure out scheduling. Maybe we'll do a couple shows when I'm on the road. It'll be fun. There's the deadline is approaching, so you got to you got to be on it, Tim. There's going to be some action while I'm gone. You know, as soon as I jump on that flight, everybody's getting traded that day, and we're just going to miss the boat, which is fine. It's fine. Right, Tim? It's fine. It'll be fine. I'm jealous. Yeah, it sounds like a great trip. I've always wanted to go to Rome. I've never been. Do you so, want to come? Uh, yeah, can I? How's the, the passport situation? Is that all handled now? 
yeah, we got it. Like it, it got sent to the house. <laughs> it was there when we got home. So it's not uh, yeah, touchy subject, but it's a beautiful passport. They just redid them. Like there's all kinds of new holograms on it and two pictures on the passport now. It's really neat. Good luck, terrorists getting to this country anymore. You know what I mean? Speaking of terrorists, we had a nice letter from someone from Germany. What does that have to do with terrorism? Okay. I don't know. Just, they might be Fabian. Who knows? Cut that, cut but, that, cut that, cut that. No, it's fine. Fabian allegedly might be. But what was the uh, the nice letter you received, Tim? Because it was great. Yeah, uh, this came in um, on my email because my email is linked on my website, timwordsberger.com, by a copy of my book. Uh, really nice letter from, from Fabian in Germany. John, do you want to read this one? No. Okay. Uh, Hi, Tim. First of all, I would like to congratulate you on the release of your book. John is laughing. My good friend Stefan and I are big friends of the NHL. And after a lot of research for a good hockey podcast, we found Dropping the Gloves and became big fans. It's by by far our absolute favorite podcast because you guys cover so many topics and get that great kind of humor. We love it. Our English isn't perfect, but you guys make it easy for us to understand. And our English skills are getting better. In our country, Germany, hockey isn't that kind of popular, and live NHL games are pretty rare. So we'd love to get updated by you guys. Thanks to you and John for a great podcast. Boom. Really nice. I played with a bunch of Germans. Christian Erhoff, Alexander Sulzer, two good German defensemen. Always got along with them. Always got along with them well. Tim was a big German fan from World War II. When he LARPs, he always likes to uh, play the SS. Well, no, you can't. Don't even joke about that. But Mo Sider, also a German friend of the show. Marco yeah, Sturm, all-time favorite Bruin. Well, up there, a German. Uh, Dennis Seidenberg, also a, big, a great Bruin. Yeah. Why is Marco Sturm your all-time favorite Bruin? He's not, I, he's not my all-time. He's an all-time favorite among Bruins fans, just for the big Why? goals that he scored. Some big goals in overtime in the playoffs. It was like right before the Bruins started to take off, beating Montreal. Um, he was a, he was a good player. That's such a random person to pick. Uh, when I think of Marco Sturm, the Boston Bruins don't even come into my mind. I think the San Jose Sharks, but I guess he played for the Bruins for what five, four or five years. Yeah, yeah, he had some time with Mark Savard's line. He's coaching now somewhere. Um, I. Interesting. My favorite Bruin of all time, obviously Ray Borg, but any Adam Oates loved that guy and thought he was just fantastic. He was just a kind of do it all player. I I don't know. I liked uh, Adam Oates. And then Glenn Murray. Yep. Twice. I liked him. He was there twice. I liked him. Goal scorer, bigger dude. Marco Sturm. You just leaning into Fabian to try to get. He already likes you. You don't have to lean in anymore. <laughs> My favorite Bruin is Dennis Seidenberg, Marco Sturm. It's just crazy you would say that. You're such a, you're such a Jack Edwards. Jack and I would be great friends. If you probably are. He needs get to him on the show, show. and Milbury. Get them both on the show. I'll just sit here and roast both of them. All right, we were undecided on what to talk about in today's show. There was not a lot of action going on. There was a few hockey games. Everybody's talking about the trade deadline. We'll touch on some of those things. There was some sad news. Alex Ovechkin left the Washington Capitals for personal reasons, which we have found out his father passed away. This is terrible news. 
that's not good. So condolences to him. We'll be thinking about him and his father. That's really, really uh, tough to hear. And then we just decided we're going to talk about trade stuff, right, Tim? But first, I want to talk about Kirby Doc and the Montreal Canadiens and the Chicago Blackhawks. Talk about homecomings. Talk about revenge games. I've been texting with Kirby Doc lately just because we're trying to get him on the show. I think he's coming on on Friday, Tim. I don't know if I told you that, but Friday. Kirby Doc. He played the Chicago Blackhawks yesterday. And it was a very interesting game. He got ran out of town. Dylan Strom got ran out of town. Brendan Hagel got ran out of town. Kubelik got ran out of town. Everybody got ran out of town in Chicago. And here come the Chicago Blackhawks into Montreal after Patrick Kane making some comments about Vladimir Tarasenko getting traded to the Rangers, how disappointed he was when he saw that trade. He wishes he would have been traded. We talked about it a few weeks ago or a week ago, how strange that was to hear those type of comments coming from Patrick Kane. Well, he hasn't stopped commenting, Tim. He is just, he's trying to keep up with Brad Marchand for just hot takes. Those two guys seem to be just leading the league in quotable interviews. What was Patrick Kane's take on Kirby Doc this past week? Yeah, he was asked about how well Kirby's played this year. And this is what he said. I'm not surprised. What is he, 21, 22? It takes some time sometimes, and he was probably rushed into the league and playing fourth-line minutes, getting sat-out games. It's probably not the best thing for your development. It's not surprising that all of a sudden he's starting to play a lot of minutes and playing in a good position, and he's producing. Happy for him. What do you think? What do you think? Good for him to say that? Is he complimenting Kirby Doc? Well... Yes. And first of all, he's right. Everything he said is right. Kirby wasn't really set up for success in, in Chicago. He got a couple of looks in those top minutes, but not consistently. Part of it was due to injuries. He obviously got hurt at World Juniors, but he had other nagging things too. And he was 19, 18, 20 of a time. Like he's, he was still growing and finding his game and everything. And then it wasn't really set up for success. So Kane's right. Everything he said is right. But it's not that often that you'll see a player, a star player who's on his way out criticize the organization like that because this is not a not too veiled criticism of the Blackhawks and how they manage not just Doc but other young players. He said similar things about Strom too. Well it's it's interesting because it's it's a slight against the the GM John Davidson. So it Kyle. <laughs> Kyle. Who cares? Pete Davidson. I don't care who it is. It's <laughs> Davidson. It Kaner is making his feelings known. He wants to leave. It, it's very Clear as day. There was some question marks if he was going to get traded a month ago. You know, he's got the injured hip. Maybe they'll let him heal up. He'll sign a new contract and then they'll get, you know, we'll trade him again next year. All that, all that is out the window. This guy is doing everything he can to make it perfectly clear that he wants to be traded. The Vladimir Tarasenko thing where he just outright said, "I I wish I would have been traded. I wanted to go to the Rangers. That was it. I'm upset that that deal didn't get done. Throwing his GM under the bus, his coach under the bus, both of them, and how they dealt with Kirby Doc. This right saying this guy's a, this guy's a star, and we blew it. We absolutely blew this player's development. That's what he's saying. But then when you look back, it's like Kaner. They did the same thing with you. They did the same thing with Johnny Taves. You guys just su- succeeded. So I I, I don't know. If there's any truth to that, they gave Kirby Doc first line minutes. They gave Kirby Doc an opportunity. We saw what he could do in the playoffs. He played well. He didn't play lights out, 
Well, we can talk to him about it on Friday, but he played really good for a kid who was 20 years old, dipping his toe in the playoff water. So I don't know how much blame there is to spread around. Maybe they weren't as patient as they should have been, but I don't know. You know, every every argument has two sides. I think they should have held on to him longer. I, I think I've made that perfectly clear. But I think Kaner is going out of his way right now just to get out of Chicago. And then he made some comments yesterday that were that was also very interesting where he said, I want to work with the Blackhawks in getting out of here. They have done a lot for me in my career. And, I, and I'm going to maybe open myself up to being traded to some teams that maybe I wouldn't have thought to be traded to. Because coming into the deadline, it was okay. Kaner wants to go to the Rangers. That's it. That's all. Now that door is closed. Maybe Patrick Kane is being a little more amiable to going to other teams. So there, there's a lot of reports, but I think Kaner is realizing he can't just say, I'm going to Toronto. That's it. That's my only team I'm going to go to. I'm going to the Rangers. That's it. Or else I'm staying. He wants out of Chicago. The only teams that really have space or have a need for a player like him, Vegas, Dallas, Carolina, Toronto doesn't need him. The Rangers don't need him. They're they're flush with players who can score on the wing. They don't need a Patrick Kane. They have bigger needs elsewhere. So if I'm Kaner, I'm starting to look at the field. Oh, maybe maybe I need to you know be a little more flexible with who I go to. Maybe Dallas isn't looking so bad. You know, maybe maybe I go to Carolina. Maybe I go to another team who I, I didn't think would be a, a good fit for me. Do I really want to? ride out the stretch with Chicago for the next three months and just get our doors beaten off by the Montreal Canadiens who beat us for nothing. And we don't have any pushback at all. So it's interesting. He's making these comments. He wants to be traded. Where do you think? Well, I know we talked about this last episode, but he, he still has not, you know, opened up his no trade clause to other teams. He's still sticking with the Rangers and the Leafs. Where do you think he inevitably ends up Tim? Where where is a good spot for him to land? Because I don't think it's Toronto. I think if Toronto pulls this trade off, it's a bad idea. I think it's it's a it's something they don't want to go down. They they don't need a Patrick Kane in the Toronto Maple Leaf sweater. Where does where does he fit? Where should he go? Yeah, there's a lot of spots here, and you read the different reports. I was on Daily Faceoff this morning. They list some potential fits. Uh, the Golden Knights, like you mentioned, the Kings, the Leafs, the Devils, the Stars, all good fits. You could even throw in like a Carolina, for example, who talked about needing uh, a finisher in the playoffs and needing a guy that fits in their top six. Kane would fit right well in and they have the cap room to do it. So there's a lot of there's a lot of teams available that could make this move. And I think it's it's so weird because I said this before, it's hard to understand a veteran player who's who sees I wouldn't say quite as he's done his, his his you know farewell tour, but he's getting older. He wants to go win, but he's also won three before. And so how how badly does he want it? You know him a little bit. Does he want this fourth ring badly? Or is it like, hey, I want to go I want to have another chance rather than flounder here? Or is it like, hey, I, I, I want I want it bad. I need another ring. It's been 10 years. What do you where does where do you think his mindset is? Well he wants to get out of Chicago. You want to compete. You know, and I think we did touch on this a few weeks ago. Chicago has been relevant in how many years? At least five. They they have no chance of being contenders for a long time, even if they do win the Connor Bedard sweepstakes this this offseason. It doesn't vault them into contender status just overnight. They still have a mess of a roster. They still have a mess of prospects. They, they, They don't have much there. 
when your leading point getter on the season is Max Domi with 35 points, it, it doesn't look promising for future years. You know, I know Taylor Radish is okay. You got Seth Jones. Sam Lafferty is okay. <sighs> There's nothing. So if I'm Patrick Kane, I want to get out. I want to go compete. I want to go play meaningful games. So, yeah, you're you're darn sure the drive is still there. Him and Johnny Taves, they they both, they both are itching to play some meaningful playoff games. That's how they came into the league. They were thrust into the into the mix right away when they became Blackhawks, and then that that was their first ten years: Western Conference Finals, Stanley Cups, Western Conference Finals, Stanley Cup, Stanley Cup, Stanley Cup. Like these guys are made for the playoffs, and it must just kill them to not play it every single year. I remember I talked to him a few years back, and it was brutal. Johnny was just, he's like, I don't know what to do. He's like, look at our team. I don't know half of our players. It stinks. So to go from like coming into the league and just walking into a dynasty and then the last, last half of their career, it's just like you're basement dwellers. These, this is the last place team in the league, Tim, <laughs> you know? So they want to win. And this is nothing against those guys, but do you think they were a little bit spoiled early on in their careers? For guys playing the league for 20 years and never had what those two guys stepped into. And I know that they were a huge part of that success and not the two biggest pieces of it, but it sort of, it, it skews your, your vision of what playing in the National Hockey League is like. I mean, other players have said, like Tyler Sagan famously talked about, like, he won the Stanley Cup his rookie years. Like, man, this is fun. This is easy. I'm having, I'm having a blast in the NHL. And then realized it's a lot harder than that. And what happened in 2011 was, was just special in 2013. And so just, I don't know. Do you think it, it skews their perspective when they were so successful so early on that it, it warps their how they view the rest of the league and the other cultures around the, the league? Well, I think it does it in a good way because it skews their expectations. They came into this league and they were successful. And then when they're not successful, they question they're like, why aren't we winning? We won for the first eight years of my career in the NHL. We I have three Stanley Cups. Why, why are we not winning anymore? So I think it's a good thing. That's why GMs, when it comes to, you know, free agent frenzy, the guys who sign are the guys who have won Stanley Cups. You look every offseason, the fourth line guys from the Stanley Cup champion get more money than any other fourth line guys. So third line guys, the second line guys, people value that sort of Stanley Cup pedigree. And those guys have it in spades. And so now they're looking around and they go into training camp. And like, we're not that team. Even when they had some good players around, they knew. You can tell coming into training camp if you're a contender. And so these guys know what it takes to win. I think that's why they want to get to a spot where they know they have a chance to win. Nothing's guaranteed. These guys could flame out next year. Johnny Taves missed the whole season because of undisclosed injuries and illnesses. So nothing's guaranteed. And these guys, you better believe they want to go somewhere where they can play meaningful games, Tim, because that's ingrained in them. That's that's it stinks when you play with a guy and I play with Patrick Marlowe and Joe Thornton. They've never won anything in the NHL. And so you kind of get around those guys and you see, and, and I'm not slighting them, but you do notice a slight difference in their personality and their mentality and how they approach hockey games. Patrick Kane and Jonathan Taves, when I was on that team, and, and there was a lot of other guys, the Hosas, the Sharps, the Chalmersons, the Keiths, the Seabrooks, they carried themselves and they had that chip on their shoulder that says, you're not beating us. We will win this game. And you could feel it. It permeated out to the whole team. 
Whereas when I joined the San Jose Sharks, you didn't have that same feeling. You almost had a feeling of impending doom. It's like, okay, this could go either way. This could go south in a hurry, and we have no way of stopping it. Where the Hawks would be on like a two, three game losing streak, be like, we're fine. It's just interesting. World-class players all around, Marlo Thornton, first ballot Hall of Famers, they didn't have that. They didn't have that thing that comes with winning multiple Stanley Cups. And it's something you can't quantify, but it's there. You better believe it's there. I've been around winners. I've been around losers. I'm a loser. I don't have it. I've been around winners. And it's like, man, that's you guys. It's a different breed, Tim. You're a loser, too. We're both losers. Those guys are winners. They want to be a winner again. So they want to go to teams. If I'm a GM on an NHL team, if I'm Patrick Kane and I'm picking a team that I want to go to, I will answer my own question that I pose to you. I think the perfect fit for him right now is the Carolina Hurricanes. I think that's the only logical place for him to land. They have the cap space because Pacioretty's done. They need the goals done. He's done for the season. Never really worked out. Obviously, the Achilles injury, then the Achilles injury again. They need a winger. They need a scoring winger. I know Tuevo Teravainen. I love the kid. Seth Jarvis, friend of the show, love the kids. Martinique Nietzsche's. All good wingers. Very talented, fast. They're not Patrick Kane. They're not Patrick Kane. If you get a Patrick Kane, you throw him on your first line, all of a sudden he transforms your whole entire team. He really, really does. It bumps Seth Jarvis down. You got Teravine and Aho Kane. You got Svechnikov, Kokianemi, and Jarvis. That's a pretty solid top two lines. And we already know how good their third and fourth lines are. I think that's the logical place for Patrick Kane to go. Dallas Stars is another one. First place in the West. I could see him going there. He likes Tyler Sagan. They've joked about it before. They want to play in the same team, team together. That would be a fun spot for him to go to. Again, he would round out their second line. You're not going to touch Robertson, Hintz, and Pavelski. Maybe you put Sagan and Kane and Fosca together. Jamie Benn bumps him down to the third line. I think that works out nice in Dallas. But I just think when you're looking at the the rosters and you want to win a Stanley Cup, you can't go to Boston. He's not going there. That's obvious. They're the number one team right now who's going to lift the Stanley Cup. You can't go to Toronto. There's no room for him in Toronto. The Rangers have already filled their void. That's another team you could have went to. It's It's the Hurricanes, Tim. It's a logical solution. Pacioretty went down. Kane comes in, fills that void. I think it's it's a it's a no-brainer. But does Carolina swing for the fences here? They don't seem like the team who likes to go out and make those huge moves. You know, organizationally. I don't I don't think they've ever gone out and swung for the fences and really brought in a Patrick Kane type and given up multiple first rounders to just go all in. They they are very just conservative with their trades. They they trade for the long haul. They want to maintain a guy for years after the trade. They want to have some ownership on him. So I don't know. We'll see what happens. I hope they make the move. It would be good for your yawning. Am I am I boring you? No, no. This is great. I just uh, you're you're right. The, why the, the, why are you yawning? It was involuntary. I wasn't even aware I was doing it. Unbelievable. You're doing it in front of my face with your mouth. That's what you're doing. Mm. But, 
Exactly. Uh, no, I think the Canes are a good fit, and but uh, they have been relatively conservative at trade deadlines in the past, like you said. But they've never had a team like this, or an opportunity like this with that with that cap room to go and make basically go get whoever they want. It's just it's being selective. They're they're in a really good place. But one rumor I saw was that Kane. Well, first of all, he said um, he doesn't have any issues with the hip. He's like, I don't know where that rumor started. I feel great. I feel fine. Um, and so he shut that down. Whether it's true. I guess you have to take it at face value, but I don't think it's that big of a deal. But one of the rumors I saw floating around was for the Carolina Hurricanes to bring him in was giving up a guy like Seth Jarvis, friend of the show. Does that make you better? Would you do it or would you stick with what you got? No, I'm not giving up any roster spots to get Patrick Kane. I don't think that makes sense organizationally. You got Kane for one year. He's not staying in Carolina. He's moving on. So I think he's made it known where he wants to play next year. He wants to be in the state of New York. I think the Rangers would be a good for fit for him next year or even a Buffalo Sabres team captain by Tage Thompson. I think that would be a fit, but um, no, you don't give up Carlson. You don't give up any young prospect to get a Patrick Kane, a young NHL proven prospect. Yeah. You give up a guy who's, you know, a first rounder from two years ago, who's still playing in the AHL or the OHL or whatever. You give that guy up. Sure. But not a Seth Jarvis. That guy's, could potentially turn into a poor man's Patrick Kane. He won't be Patrick Kane, but he he could be a very, very good player. All right, moving on. San Jose Sharks continue to suck, which is good for Mike Greer because he wants to trade some of these guys. They have the most intriguing free agents on the market. The Timo Meyer, Meyer sweepstakes is interesting. And I want your take on this. Kevin Weeks, or not Kevin Weeks, Mike Greer has told Timo Meyer's agent that he is not allowed to negotiate contract extensions with any team. Do you think that's a good thing? Do you think that's a bad thing? Timo Meyer has made it known that he really would like to go to the New Jersey Devils. He thinks he fits in well there. Jack Hughes and him would work out nicely. Do you think it's a good idea for Mike Greer to not let his agent negotiate with teams? Or is it a smart idea? Because I, I have my take. I think it's a good idea. Most people think it's a terrible idea. They're not going to get the return that they want. What is your take on it? Well, Tim, you're not as smart as me, so you probably think it's a bad idea. But I'll explain why. It's a good one, right? Is that your next sentence? No, I, I can see the argument both ways. I'll, I'll go first. My argument okay. is this. If I'm Timo Meyer and I've already made it well known that I want to go to the Devils, he, he likes New Jersey, he wants to go play there, why would I give his agent the ability to go to these teams that would trade for him and say, he doesn't want to sign here. He wants to sign in New Jersey and these teams would negotiate with Timo Meyer's agent for an extension, knowing full well that he doesn't want to be there. So his agent would tell them, yeah, Timo's Timo's going to go to New Jersey. So I think it's smart for Mike Greer to say, you know what? You can't talk to anybody. I don't want anybody to know that you won't sign there. I don't want anybody to know your situation and how you're favoring one team over another. It's just going to scuttle my chances and I'm going to only be able to negotiate with one team. You know what I mean? So I don't want that happening, but I do see the other side of it. What do you think of it? Well, that makes sense. I hadn't seen that he publicly said he wants to be in New Jersey. I know he's been linked to them for weeks and everyone says that they're like the front runner. If he's, if that's the case, then yeah, it does make sense for Greer to be like, you know what? I'm not letting you talk to anyone. You guys are all kind of walking into this a little bit blind. And if you, it's up to you to resign them, but I'm not like making it contingent on the deal. And if that's the case, that's probably the smart move. And I think, 
I would love for him to go to the Devils. I would love for him to go to the Canes, like those teams. And then the newest one reported by Kevin Weeks yesterday was that the Maple Leafs have significant interest in acquiring him. And this is where I, we talk about this with the Oilers. We talk about this with the Leafs. Like you keep going back to obviously adding Timo Meyer is going to make you a better team, right? Like he's a good player. He makes every team better. But how much better is he making? We talked about it last year. Who was it last year that we talked about the Leafs adding and then decided not a great move? Like, they don't need another goal scorer. They got strong wingers. wingers. As an offense, they're going to score goals. They can go out. They're going to lose 4-3 or 5-4. to four, You know what I mean? Like, scoring goals isn't the issue. The Leafs have better goalies now than I think most people thought they would in Samsonov and Murray's hurt right now. But they've both been really good all year. Is it the defense? Maybe you look at D, but how much, what problems does Timo Meyer fix for the Leafs? I tell you right now, they're looking long term. I don't mind Timo Meyer going to the Leafs. He's still an RFA, so they still have control over him. They're going to lose one of their top guys. <clears throat> they are planning for the future if they make this trade, and I don't mind it. I know we say all the time, oh, don't do this, don't get this. You're already heavy at scoring. The Leafs are going to lose, Tim, one of their top dogs, if not both of them. And Nylander and Matthews. Then you're stuck with a team that has John Tavares, Mitch Marner, and kind of that's it. So you go out, you make this trade and bring in a Timo Meyer and you sign him knowing full well that Willie Nylander's not coming back. He's gone. But if you bring in Meyer, then you're guaranteeing that Nylander's not coming back, right? You you work that out over the summer. You you figure out how that's gonna end up because you still have time to negotiate with those two guys they're 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 locked on for one more year so maybe you sign timo meyer to a bridge deal just to give yourself some time but i i really don't mind this Uh, toronto's situation for as much as we dog them it's really good their contract situation lines up really nicely where they have some options to maneuver these guys i know both nylander and matthews are entering ufa free agency in primo years 26 27 years old I know they're going to get paid. I don't mind where Toronto's at. I, I think they've really managed their books well. Kyle Dubas has done a good job with just spreading out his contracts, the money. If he keeps these two guys, they're going to have to pay through the nose. That's that's the business. But I, it makes sense for me for them to go out and get Team Wire. From what's been going on, reading the tea leaves, these guys aren't staying in Toronto. So you got to prepare for the worst. Bringing in Team Wire would not be the worst thing. I I don't think he's going to Toronto. I think based on just a this year problem, Toronto goes out and gets some more defensemen. I know they're playing well defensively. You go out and you get a veteran defenseman, just like they went and got Giordano at the deadline a couple of years back. You bring in somebody who can just play the third D, you know, five, six role, give him 12 minutes, be a hard guy to play against, be a pest on the penalty kill. That sort of guy, Radko Gudas, just go and get a guy like that who's not a liability, who can play a decent amount of minutes and not make mistakes. I, I like Toronto. I, I don't think they need to make any moves. If I'm them, I'm bringing in a goalie. I know you just said their goaltending situation is set. You trust Murray and Samsonov going into the playoffs? I trust Samsonov. Yeah, I like him. I've, I've said that since the beginning of the year, and I was right. He's had a great season, John. And I know no, the playoffs is a different animal. No question marks on him whatsoever. Of course, there's a question mark, but like those, that's your guy. You got to, you made that decision already. That's your guy. He did not play well with the Capitals the last two years in the playoffs. Uh, he was hurt. Vanacek came in. Yeah, I don't know. He's, he's not going to be your problem, at least not any worse than 
Jack Campbell or Freddie Anderson before him. So. Okay. All right. But I, when I look at this team, I don't want to spend too much time on it. The forward lines are, I like them. Their defense, I like their defense. I'm going to get in goalie. I don't know who's out there, but I would kick the tires on a couple other guys. Another guy in San Jose who has been rumored to be on the move. Eric Carlson, future Norris Trophy winner, potential MVP of the league, a guy who could potentially set the all-time record for points by a defenseman in a single season. He's having a fantastic year. San Jose loses 5-2. to two, He's got two assists. San Jose loses 7-1. to one, He's got a goal. He pl- He's playing well. He's upset being in San Jose. The only issue is he has a boatload of money left on his contract, and he's got a boatload of term left on his contract, and he ain't getting any younger. He stunk the last four years. This year, he's turned around his career. The Edmonton Oilers want him. Of course they do. <laughs> of course they do. They've been kicking the tires on Eric Carlson. Apparently, there's been an offer, and it's a good one. The Oilers have offered their first-round pick in 2023, defenseman Evan Bouchard, their first-round pick, Xavier Bulgart, and Tyson Berry in another contract to be named later to make it work for this year. If that's true, how has San Jose not accepted this trade already? What's the retention on that? <clears throat> what are they asking for? That's the tricky part. San Jose is going to have to retain a ton of contract for Eric Carlson. It's going to be a big one. If they're giving up these amount of picks, I would guess they would be keeping 70% of this contract. Well, for the remainder there, of his deal. Isn't the max 50%? I don't know. Maybe they loop in another team. I don't know what the max is. That's a good question. We should figure that out. But does yeah, this look it up. does this make Edmonton a contender if they do this? They've won 7 of 10. We were talking about it before the show. I still think there's a lot of smoke and mirrors behind this team. They're playing in a terrible division. They beat bad teams. They beat Tampa Bay. I get that, but then they're they're losing to bad teams. They're beating bad teams. The record isn't as strong as I think it is. Does this make a difference for the Edmonton Oilers if you go out and get Eric Carlson? How fun would it be to pair him up with McDavid, Dreisaitl, Evander Kane, the Nuge? It would be exciting. Do they need this guy on the back end to make them a serious contender, Tim, or are they already one? Well, they might be. They're a better team this year. And I, this probably does make him a serious contender if he can if he can produce in the playoffs, which we know that in the past he has with Ottawa, and even little bits with San Jose. And so, yeah, this does make him a better team. This puts him in serious contention level. But this is going to destroy the franchise if they do this. Unless we're talking major major salary retention, you're going to add another ten or close to ten million dollar contract to this team that already has. They they already have what twenty percent thirty percent of their salary cap committed to two players. Then you add Nudes on top of that, add Hyman on top of that. You're going to talk about sixty to seventy percent of your salary cap focused on like five players. Like, <laughs> how is that going to be a recipe for success? Especially these five players. No, you shouldn't do this unless you can like like you said get a major major salary retention on the on the Sharks, and then you have to give up a lot to do it. And maybe in that case, it's worth it. But I. I don't like this move long term for the for the Oilers. Going back to salary cap, it, yeah, fifty percent is the most. So it's fifty percent of a player's salary, or fifteen percent of the salary cap upper limit. So fifteen percent of eighty-two million, whatever that is, or fifty percent of Carlson's cap hit, whatever's higher, they can do. So it would be fifty percent of Carlson's cap hit. So they they would be able to retain six and a half million. So which is still a lot of money. But anyways, going back to the Edmonton Oilers, I think you make a trade. I think you go for it. I think it'd be fun. 
He's familiar with the West Coast. The West Coast right now is a complete toss-up. Whoever wants to win it can pretty much win it. Colorado can't seem to win, Tim. They can't pull their act together. I don't know. They 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 are floundering. I don't like them. Something is happening in Colorado. Is it Stanley Cup hangover? I don't know. The only team who has had shown any sort of consistency is the Dallas Stars. So if that's the only team I can beat and I'm the Edmonton Oilers, I'm going out. I'm getting myself an Eric Carlson. I think he would be fun to add. You give up Tyson Berry, I get it. You pair him with Darnell Nurse, who can be his safety blanket, and you just tell him to go. He has familiarity with the Edmonton Oilers coach, Ken R.J. Woodcroft. He was his coach in San Jose, so he knows him. He knows how he plays the game. He can get the most out of him on the power play. I think it's a win-win. I like it. I really, really do. Jack Campbell is playing okay. Stuart Skinner is playing okay. I think if they get Eric Carlson, they could be Stanley Cup contenders. I'll say it. I'll say it. I I think it's a great move. I think you lean into your strength. You are a high-powered juggernaut offense. You need guys who can keep up with your horses. Get get, Get the horse on the back end. Get the guy who could potentially be faster than Connor McDavid. Carlson is is a dynamic player. He's so, don't give me that look. Carlson is dynamic. I bet you if you put him side to side and they say race around the rink once, it'd be close. It'd be darn close. Carlson's a powerful, powerful skater. Speaking of Carlson, I was watching a clip this morning, mic'd up from the All-Star game. Marner was asking him how Jumbo was doing. And like, do you still hang around the rink, whatever? And Carlson's like, yeah, he's by, he's like all the time. He's always there working out, just doing his thing. Sometimes he'll come in, say hello to the boys, take a shower and then leave. <laughs> it's so good. Uh, I love Jumbo that. loves showering with the boys. The first, <laughs> one of the first things he said to me was, I can't wait to get you in the shower. <laughs> I was like, it's a little weird. But I'm excited for it, too. <laughs> he, he knows when they practice, and he just comes at, right at the end just to join him in the shower. And drive in he, he is the ultimate just locker room guy. He's so incredibly fun. All right. One more trade. Jacob Chitrin. What, what are you hearing about this one, Tim? Yeah, him and Gavrikov. This is really strange because, you know, teams, we get close to the deadline. They have a really valuable piece. They start sitting them to protect the asset, right? And it, in the past, you can tell me if I'm wrong. I don't remember... In the past, it's always been like reported by insiders by like like Bob McKenzie and LeBron and Frank be like, hey, this is the reason. Or they'll say something vague, like non-injury reasons that he's being benched. But now you're seeing teams literally tweet out like the Blue Jackets did yesterday or the day before. Gavrikov is being benched for quote unquote trade reasons. I don't remember teams being so direct about that in the past. Maybe I'm, I'm wrong and I'm not remembering it, but this is the first time I, re- I recall seeing that. Um, what's interesting is that Chitron, when we talked about it the other day, the report was he was close to dealing with um, the Kings in exchange for Quentin Byfield and Brant Clark, who was the first round pick last year, I think. And then uh, on the 32 Thoughts podcast, Elliot Friedman made it very clear, not only to the Coyotes, but to every other team, uh, the Kings did, that Byfield and Clark would not be included and that they're not up for sale and said um, they're they're not going to be moved. However, it still seemed like the trade could be imminent to the Kings. They worked out some other deal not involving those two players, which would be interesting because I don't know what else you can give up that makes giving up a, a guy like Chitrin worth it, but it won't be for those two players, according to Friedman. They have a lot of prospects. They have Turcotte. They have another first rounder they drafted a few years back. They have a couple more pieces in the cupboard, but those are the two main pieces, Clark and Byfield. So if I'm from the Coyotes, I'm not doing it. If one of those guys is not included in the deal, you know, I'm, I'm giving up 
a stud defenseman. It would be nice to get one back in Clark or, you know, a solid centerman in Byfield who is, you know, the sky's the limit on this kid. So I don't know. Interesting. But going back, uh, teams have done that, I think. Sad players out. But yeah, I, th- I think what's different is just the the forthrightness saying, you know, right. we're going to deal this guy. <laughs> He's out the door, especially a guy like Chitron who has years left on his contract. It's a strange situation. I get it. You're protecting your asset. You know he's going to be traded. You don't want him to get hurt and be done for the year, catch an elbow to the head, and he's gone. But it's weird. It's like you can come with us on the road. You're not going to play because you're going to. We're going to trade you soon. It's such such a weird situation. Yeah, that happened in Buffalo when I was there. Everybody knew everyone was getting traded, and all of a sudden my ice time just skyrocketed. <laughs> it's like I'm like I'm on the third line all of a sudden. What's happened to Drew Stafford and Vanek and Jordan Leopold and all these guys? They're just not getting ice time. What's happening? Robin Regeer was just like, I'm getting traded. So it was good for me because I got a little more ice time. But it is it is a weird situation where all of a sudden guys just start leaving. And then who's leaving? Who's Every time a guy would come in, like a one of the PR guys, they would just come in and grab somebody. It's like, oh, here you go. It, it, we, all, we made a game of it. Steve Ott and I were like, who's going? Who just got the lottery ticket out of here? We never got the lottery ticket. We got to stay. Me and Cody McCormick and Matt Ellis and all those Buffalo guys, we slogged it out. Gosh, we got smoked so many games. Anyways, anything else, Tim, you want to talk about? Uh, Speaking of Vanek, did you text him yet? Is he coming on? Kirby Doc's coming on Friday. That'll be great. What a year he's had. He has had a great year. He should be the captain. Don't you think? Can you tell him that? Should we ask him that? I want to ask him what he if he had a chat with Kane, and if it's if it's good, you know, having that. Montreal's in last place too, so there's really no like gloating. But it's like, is it nice to see the dumpster fire that Chicago's become? What are your thoughts on that? He won't answer that. I'm going to ask him. It doesn't hurt to ask. But anyways, everybody, go out and have a good Wednesday. We'll talk to you guys on Friday, hopefully with Kirby Doc and Tim, and uh, we'll see you then. Cheers. Thanks for listening to Dropping the Gloves with John Scott, a member of the Nation Network of Podcasts. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts from to never miss an episode.